Hello everybody and welcome back to some interseason goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stockton. What up? Nice and simple, Matt. Thanks for that. I like to keep it simple. Sometimes it throws people off. Sometimes you just do a hello or hi. or a, I mean, you can't do a hello. That's Ashen's thing. But... Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. Boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. Hello. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think I say hello. I say hi or... Right. Hi. All right. What up? What's up? I think all right is your most cockney, your most London. What? (laughs) Watcher. (laughs) I expect a watcher from now on (laughs) in place of a hi. Speaking of things from London, we're also joined, also as always, by Tim Mayton. Wicka wicka wah, wicka wah, wicka wicka wah wah west. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) What? I, I kind of see the link there, and I reject it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to work out the link here, and the listeners might have already worked this out if they've seen the title of the episode, but <laughs> I haven't, so this is interesting. Tim looks ahead like seven episodes and goes, oh, wait, no, this is a different one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, feel-good movies, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love oh, it well, if, West. I might have to do that in the next inter-season, be behind uh, one episode, so every, like... <laughs> or, or ahead by one episode and just oh, that's, tease everybody. That, that would be very good. That's very clever. I'm not that clever. <laughs> So the topic of this episode is uh, our favourite Will Smith movies. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's is Wild Wild West. He just yeah. loves giant mechanical spiders. Oh, I thought spiders. we were doing favourite Kenneth Branagh movies. <laughs> same thing. Right? One and the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Wild Wild West is where those two masters of cinema meet. Yeah. And mm. it's just uh, the perfect movie. Basically. What you don't realise is uh, Kenneth Branagh was in After Earth. <laughs> as the ship. <laughs> <laughs> He's the other guy in Gemini, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they replace it with a young Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. It's not Clive Owen. It's Kenneth it was originally supposed to be Kenneth Branagh. Also, Will Smith, I mean, I Will Smith is taking over as Poirot. Oh, <laughs> interesting. His Belgian accent is not good. Mm, interesting. <laughs> you said Bel Air accent, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll do. Very good. The famous detective from Bel Air. <laughs> He wasn't from Bel Air, Jack. He was from West Philadelphia, <laughs> born and raised. Born and raised. I'm not saying he's playing Will. I'm just saying he's a detective from Bel Air. But the actual theme of this episode, it does tie into TV, funnily enough. Uh, it is a Patreon pick from our executive producer, Stuart Main. No I applause. didn't want to clap. No, I know, reason. yeah. I said it in the cadence. I was like, I want to clap now. No, no, no. Save the applause. Um, Stuart, please picked... hold your applause. <laughs> hold your applause, please. <laughs> Stuart has picked films that followed on from TV shows. So, started as a TV show, then some films came after that. Mm. I think before we go any further, we need to really address something because it is a bit of a difficult one. Because there is a question of, are we talking about something that is a new rebooted adaptation, whether comedy or otherwise? Mm. Like We'll go to the actual examples later, obviously, but let's say Starskin Hutch for now. You know, with a cameo from the original or something, or the A-Team or some shit like that. Or a TV series that carries on for a long time, and then the same cast reprisal their roles several years later, or a few years later, into an actual cinematic release. Yeah, they're, they're two very different things. And in general, when you said that, when Stuart suggested it as a topic, I instantly think of the latter. I think mm, of the I think so. six seasons in a movie mentality, where it is the same cast, the same team, the same yeah, you know, yeah. showrunner, producer, director, whoever it is, who's kind of the the lead behind the whole thing. And the same principal cast and everything carrying on, and they often like finish the show. Oh, we were cancelled too early, and now we have to do a film to kind of wrap sure. everything up, or whatever it is, or something becomes popular enough that it, they 
somehow justify it and put it into the big screen or whatever it is. Mm. But yeah, I hadn't really thought about the other one where they, I think Starsky and the, the most recent Starsky and Hutch or I don't know if it's the most recent, but like the one I think of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's probably a more recent one that's nobody's ever seen and doesn't give a shit about. Or sure, sure. Even things like Shaft and stuff like that. Mm. Like thinking Shaft of... is a very interesting one because it's obviously film, 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 film. Yeah. It's this weird thing of like you take those things from the 70s or the 80s or whatever it is and mm. then they do a modern reboot and they're like, oh, no, mm. we're not doing a TV show. We're doing a film, an A-team film. Mm. With with a UFC fighter, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and Liam Neeson, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> oh god, that film is that is film's hot garbage. Um, Shalter Copley and, and Bradley Cooper actually were recently cast in that idea. I think they're they're. Oh they're, yeah, that was when Shalter Copley was yeah. like, "Hey, it's the guy from Disney Nine. Let's put him in everything." Yeah, that was yeah. they were reasonably cast in that regard. I thought that's a true good shout. Just it was a terrible film. But again, I think we'll, we will later on, especially when we can talk about different types of things, we will address both. But just wanted to get out there. There are two very strong mm. uh, polar mindsets, shall we say. Mm. Um, and we're going to kind of touch on both, but mostly the latter. So I suppose the first thing we should start off with really is, uh, just because we're a film podcast, the difference between TV and film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is it, it's, it's almost laughable as, 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 as we laugh away and chuckle on the show. But with the nature of MCU and stuff, yeah. emulating the comic mentality and, of the, of the continuing... And Netflix as well. Precisely. Streaming services very much blurred that line between... Mm. Like we, we've we've talked a few times about should Netflix movies be eligible for Oscar nominations and all this kind of stuff and mm. loads of people are like no 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 and then Martin Scorsese made a Netflix movie he's like yes 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 <laughs> okay <laughs> I see what you're doing here yeah but th- th- that is you think of Netflix as a I don't think of it as a movie streaming service I think of it as a TV streaming service it's like that's my instinctive reaction sure. to Netflix mm. but they create their own original movies all the time or at least get the production rights or mm. distribution rights for films all the time annihilation mm. came out on netflix here in the uk very true which is mad to me like the, <laughs> i know i know that's not like big box office no it's still bullshit kind it should have been i want to say thing, I, but... I feel robbed that i couldn't see that in the cinema yeah it's such a visually unique mm. and interesting film it's kind of something you want to see on the big screen but, of course and and with that We've talked about streaming recommendations and different streaming services also in a previous episode. Mm. That line is becoming more and more blurred, especially, as you said, Matt, with the MCU and things like that. You have things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Daredevil and go back to Netflix, the whole Netflix kind of canon there, Mm. which doesn't really tie into the MCU, but it's kind of in the same universe. And they (laughs) mention the incident in New York every Mm. 10 minutes. And Mm. you're like, ah, yeah, I see what you're doing there, but you can't say the word Avengers, can you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then Coulson shows up and you're like, huh, interesting. Okay. But he's dead, right? It's like, oh, is he dead? He's not dead. Hmm, interesting. And Mm. you get that kind of sort of crossover between the two, but then... You don't get an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. And there's been rumours of a Daredevil movie for ages. Mm. Or or Daredevil or Luke Cage or Iron Fist mm. or whoever it is crossing over into of course. the big the big boys league, into the Avengers <laughs> and showing up as like West Coast Avengers or Secret Avengers or yeah. whatever it is. But it just hasn't happened yet. But then if you're talking about like long running serialized storytelling, that's so often been the role of kind of the maxi series we've also talked about before stuff like breaking bad Mm -hmm. and the sopranos and all that kind of stuff but that is kind of what the mcu is doing now (laughs) they're now Mm -hmm. what 25 20 whatever it is films into it and it's essentially a big tv show in a way like structurally (laughs) in the same way that if you're saying okay uh let's just take some of the big examples from tv for over the last few years game of thrones and breaking bad and maybe a few others that you're like oh okay series six or something or, or series five so you know you know it's quite deep into the lore 
very few people say, don't worry, just start here and we'll pick it up from there. It's like, no, 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 no. Here's a couple of box sets. You need to go back and watch series one, episode one, etc. And I wonder if, well, I don't wonder, I know, it's the same thing for the Marvel movies. People will say, you don't worry about that too much. Don't worry about that. And the second you stop skipping stuff, something like Endgame comes out and said, fuck, okay, go back and watch Thor Dark World. I know you said skip it, but don't. You have to go back and watch it. And so it does become a very interesting uh, mirror in that you end up replicating the nature a of serialized... Mirror, if you will. Oh, maybe, yeah. Um, serialized television onto or serialized media like say comics for example um, where you it's all so intertwined and and just the idea that that film is really only categorized into two sorts really uh, maybe three which is short film and feature film Mm. (laughs) and then you go okay well obviously documentaries animation all those sort of things and they're like different genres but tv has so much of a spectrum in terms of the type of stuff between reality tv game show tvs uh, prestige dramas all that kind of shit you know political stuff broadcast wise it's all very different to how film is i think you know we we kind of started talking about things like serialization there which is obviously incredibly relevant to the topic but it's also worth kind of diving back and and because serialization itself is not recent to tv but certainly when mm. tv started it wasn't a thing as much um mm. and it and it was yeah i mean just to briefly like we we brought up the Breaking Bad, Sopranos, the kind of HBO style thing that they kind of, sure. and that was within the last what fifteen years, yeah, pretty much. Kind of that, that real kind of trend of serialized TV has only just come around in this century, basically. Yeah, and as you said, you get so many things. And example, we're not going to particularly talk about, but the X Files is a perfect example of like the monster of the week thing. Mm. And then they eventually did some films, obviously. But yeah. you had so many shows where you could just jump in and, oh, just jump in season two, episode six, and it doesn't particularly yeah. matter As or whatever. A prime example I always think of is Star Trek. Um, because TV syndication and serialization has always been... I think there's a good Renegade cut. Uh, it's a YouTube channel that deals with mm. this. And it's the idea that Star Trek was always about reset. Nothing could carry on to the following episode, really. Um, because that alienates viewers. You don't want the idea of having to go back to episode one in a day and age where repeats are actually very difficult to get a, an actual gauge of episode one. I mean, I remember the classic the cartoons when I was a kid, like Bucky O'Hare or, or uh, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. I don't remember the first and last episodes because they were almost never shown on television. You mm. just get the middle content. So you feel like there's, a, you know, tons and tons and tons of, of episodes. But in fact, there's only like 12 or 14 or something stupid like that. Like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, they just paid the same 10 over and over. But you couldn't see the bookends because then you'd done with the start at the end of it. <laughs> um, so Star Trek had to reset at the end of every episode. Had to be resolved, have to be finished, moving on. Mm. Then you get to the Deep Space Nine years, the Voyager years, sort of, but not really. And later stage Next Generation, where it's like, no, things are going to have a genuine impact. It's going to push through. And it was DS9 that really pushed it. And it's why it's one of the strongest Star Trek series. It, it, it's, it's very interesting that you would almost... The thing they were terrified of, it would alienate viewers, became the opposite effect. We people like, oh, I need to know what happens next in this yeah. story, as opposed to, I want to see these people go on a new adventure kind of thing. And then that obviously, just to just to link it back in again, Star Trek is a perfect example of take the original cast from the show, put them in a big movie budget and have a single standalone a- a- adventure that doesn't have necessarily ramifications going forward and forward and forward because you don't have that development. You don't know if you're going to get a sequel. You don't know if you're going to carry on, for example. So it becomes a very interesting look at um, how you structure these things. But I think, again, before we get to all that stuff, I think I think we should probably talk about a bit of the history first, as, as, we, as we all want to do. 
Yeah, I think there's there's a really interesting, uh, a little bit simplified, but but you there's sure. there's a very interesting way that TV and film have fed into each other. Um, in the obviously film came first, you know, starting way back in the you know the start of the twentieth century, blowing up in the kind of twenties and thirties um, mm. to become this dominant force. And then TV kind of comes around in a, roughly the 40s and 50s. And because it is more convenient, and certainly to start with, you know, having a TV in your home was this big prestige thing, but but also meant that you could, you know, you could watch it whenever. You didn't have to leave the house to do it. Uh, and so TV started biting into or, uh, the audience for cinema. And you saw this decrease, which led to studios being more willing to risk innovation because they they just knew they were losing the audience to to television yeah uh, and you got that big boom in auteur cinema in the 70s and suddenly you had blockbusters as well yeah um and then in the 80s you get cinemas in a pretty healthy place but you also get hill street blues in 1981 which and obviously we're having a very focus on kind of american slash british tv here but mm. um that was kind of the first show that had multiple storylines going on at the same time and that had the the hints of continuity between episodes and what we think of as that core strength of what television can do and tell serialized stories that make people come back in and check in every week um started to emerge then and now we've got to a point where film is trying to take on those tools mm. um yeah. and, and copy that and you know and interestingly you know a lot of the the big scale uh because of the way special effects have evolved things that previously could only have been on a big screen with the budget of a film you can now do on a small screen and there's been mm. more and more as we talk about you know streaming services are blurring that line the cross-pollination between tv and film has become more and more and i i'd be interested to see the figures on how much properties cross over between the two and see whether that has increased as well especially as nostalgia becomes a big factor and studios you know want established intellectual property to work from and stuff like that so i think there's a there's a very interesting symbiotic relationship between the two even though there's also these huge differences in how they tell stories yeah I think one of the key things here is even if you do have a huge prestige show, let's say for example like Game of Thrones or something, TV's still cheaper to produce mm. um, and and subsequently you've already got the audience, you've already got it building momentum like week in, week out or, or you know, based on the binging culture who knows how that can you know, feed into as well and the idea that you're trying to sell someone on a second or a third film can be quite difficult, whereas if it's a TV series, you've already got the main audience there you've already got the people who are hooked in shall we say we'll come back to that in just just two seconds but i want to quickly just uh just to add to tim's bit about the cyclical nature of things i find it very interesting because the early days of film you did have which again fed into things like star wars uh the nature of flash gordon you had serials so there would be no way to see this stuff in your house you'd have a next week the thrilling adventure of so and so and you know mm. that kind of shit and it would be these these relatively cheaply produced films which would tell an ongoing story uh, again, very much in a sequence chapter sort of thing. Which again, I really think is is radio. It's the whole you know TV. Yes, it did really piss on the film industry, but it killed radio mm. basically. Radio stars and the people would sit around the wireless and have a, like a you know a radio story or something, like, which would then transpose to the early days of television. They were less about replicating cinema as much, um, because it was just too big, too too grandiose. And more about replicating the radio. So all the popular TV series from 
Britain and America, especially to start with, was just, well, we record it in a studio. We'll just put it in front of the screen with a curtain behind them. That'd be fine. We'll mm. just have them do the silly game shows. And that stuff builds and builds and it's just, you know, yeah. you look the at, personalities. You look at British comedy in the kind of 40s, 50s, 60s, even into mm. the 70s and 80s. And so much of it is, okay, well, we uh, this this show worked on BBC Four as a comedy show. So let's True. just put it in front of a studio audience and turn that into a TV show. You Which know? is where you get the panel show stuff on in Britain, yeah. which is the most and, and popular even, form of like sling them in front of the thing and just wait. Even stuff like um, Monty Python, you know, and stuff like that. Python. A lot of a mm-hmm. lot of that started with radio. Which again, the same now because you get like I mean, I know this is going back eight, seventeen years or something, but the Mighty Boosh mm. started as a radio thing. Yeah, uh, a lot of British comedy still starts as radio because again, it's very hard to get in in the first place because even yeah. now, convincing someone to do something with the budget is like, Meh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but just to bring it back in again. There is something to be said for the audience. And this is something we come back to time and time again with these things. If you are... Okay, let's do let's do Star Trek. That's a very easy one because people understand Star Trek, I think. There are multiple different Star Trek series. There's the original series. There's Next Generation, DS9, Voyager, etc., etc., etc. Enterprise doesn't count. And <laughs> Discovery, etc. Um, and that's Scott fine. Scott Bakula disagrees, Matthew. Scott Bakula is a very reasonable actor. That is a very unreasonable show. <laughs> um, fuck you, Berman. Fuck you. Um, but it's such a point of the zeitgeist, so point in public consciousness and the, and, and the cultural footprint, that if you say, it's a film called Star Trek based on a Star Trek TV series, do I need to have watched any Star Trek to understand it? No, you don't. There are these characters. And in the first 10 minutes of the film, you'll probably get brought up to speed. And obviously, the more films get released, the less that is accurate. But it's like, oh, it's Captain Kirk on another adventure. People know enough about it to go, fair enough, I get it. Then you have the difficulty of, and a bit very much, very much a cultural shift based, based on demand. You have lesser known properties where the audience is very niche. Do you completely rework everything to bring people up to speed? Or do you just go head in and tell the best story you can? for those who are there for it, the, the actual fan base, as it were. And equally, at the same time, you have the the notion of taking a property that people remember from decades and decades ago and going, you know what, fuck it, we'll throw it all out, make some cheeky nods, but ultimately this is our new thing for a new audience, and you end up pissing off everybody. <laughs> um, it, I think I think genuinely for, for this particular discussion, the evolution, for, or, or sorry, the transition of television property to film property it's almost always exclusively a standalone it's almost never going to be like we've got 10 fucking films planned it's like we're just going to chuck you with one new film the audience is crucial to that success because you don't want to alienate the the fan base who are probably going to see it anyway and don't want to make them angry you want the repeat viewings but equally you want the new audience coming in and i genuinely think that's all make or break for these kind of films I think Star Trek is such a an interesting example, and it's kind of like the shining beacon of how to move mm. TV to film. But I also think there's so much, you know, we have such a concrete idea. If you've watched a lot of Star Trek, in your mind, you're kind of like, okay, you may not be able to list the things that make a Star Trek episode, but mm. there, there was a lot of criticism of the kind of the J.J. Abrams reboot of like, oh, this isn't proper Star Trek. It's not. Mm. There's no kind of philosophy. There's it's just a it's an action film with a Star Trek skin on it kind of thing. Sure. And and I think that that highlights some of the differences in storytelling between television and cinema Very because. Much so. With a TV episode, especially with something like Star Trek, where it isn't necessarily heavily serialized, 
the, the earlier series, that the original and Next Generation. You're not expecting necessarily a huge amount of character growth in an episode, but you have established characters. You kind of assume that the person, the person tuning in, they may not have watched the previous episode, but they've watched enough that they can go, that person's that person, you know, that that's Worf, that's Data. Yeah. You know. Data's a robot. <laughs> exactly. They know they know the very basics. Yes, of course. And so that allows you if you if you have established characters, but you're also not necessarily focusing on on telling a kind of a three act story with those characters. It allows you to to do those kind of philosophical examination and slightly more kind of abstract storytelling because it cuts away a lot of the traditional beats that you have to go through. Whereas with a film, there are certain expectations. You expect that every character is going to go on an emotional journey, you know, Mm. and you, well, for for a decent film anyway. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Uh, And you expect a certain level of spectacle. You expect, expect a certain type of plotting to a film. And so trying to force Star Trek into that different, you know, kind of format of storytelling sometimes doesn't work because you have to you have to really balance the expectations that come from the television show and and I think that you know without without thinking about it a, a lot of fans will come in and just go like well it's just going to be a TV episode but like twice as long and the the, the graphics will be better <laughs> sure, um, sure. but that's that's not there, there's bigger differences between television and film than just it's on a bigger screen. I, I found that problem when I was writing my Star Trek pitch in season five mm. uh, for Star Trek Five because God, that seems like so long ago now. It does, <laughs> doesn't it? I was thinking of the number, thinking season five. We're about to do series seven. What the hell? Um, yeah. So the idea is, and we, we this was one of the criticisms of of my pitch, and I, I very much take it on board. It's like, what do you do with a lot of the remaining cast? And it's like, yeah, because in a series you have a lot of time to develop people. You're like, oh, this is a Sulu episode, or this is a very this Uhura happy episode, yeah. and you have they're not necessarily the main characters, but they are heavy focus next generation will be like this is a klingon based episode you're gonna get a lot of klingon lore that kind of thing that's fine nothing wrong with that at all you know if you don't like it so much eh, fuck it next week it's gonna be a different episode it's about borg great oh it's a data episode about you know the nature of being human it's always the same stuff about you know who we are as a species where we're going yada yada mm. but a film doesn't always have an ensemble not really it's about a core main cast and the supports now obviously for a crew say like the Enterprise crew of the Enterprise D or A or whatever it's going to be, you don't always have time to develop everybody in a single episode. So you have different focuses and different peaks and troughs. But in a film, you don't get the time for everybody to get rounded. So some people do get completely sidelined. And again, as Tim said, it's based on that structural problem. You know, everyone needs to have an arc. It's like, well, in order to do that, you're going to have to have a lot of story stuff. What you end up doing is clustering people together. So if you take Star Trek Beyond, for example, one of the better of the mm. of, of the Kelvin universe sort of stuff. You 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 bundle people together. So McCoy and Spock are together, which is one of the first separations you have from that particular uh, Spock Kirk dynamic because it's it's also vitally important. Mm. So and again, the whole point of these characters is that have been around for so long that you can if you I know this is someone who's written, written a web series of fifty plus episodes. <laughs> if any of your characters don't feel comfortable with each other you've kind of fucked up somewhere in the sense of like if you say well this is a this is what's the call it this is a phoebe chandler episode and you're like nah i'm not, I'm not I'm watching right, that. that doesn't really feel like it's gonna work um you know you, they say oh we have to have this dynamic working in some way it's like no they need to be able to work perfectly all together mm. well it's not 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 necessarily that they feel comfortable but that you can get the dynamic that they'll that yes, they'll sorry, have with each you. other yes 
But yeah, no, it it is it's fascinating because yeah, like you say, you can have an episode of Star Trek again. We'll go back to that as the example where Geordi is barely in it. He's just that he's got like three lines, and they're all to do with the warp coolants. Yeah, yeah, they're all techno battle, (laughs) and you don't walk away from that episode going like, "Well, Geordi was." Well, you you might go like, "Oh, Geordi wasn't in that much." If he's your favorite Mm. character. But sure. you don't feel disappointed because you know there's another episode coming next week and that might be a Geordie heavy episode. Very Whereas true. with Very a true. film, you expect that everybody is going to get not necessarily an equal shake at the stick, but like everyone is going to have something to do that is going to be vital to the plot. And I think this is mm. why Beyond worked pretty well is because it did it took the time to make sure that everybody mm-hmm. had stuff to do, which again is not how a normal Star Trek episode works, but it's the expectation you go into when you have a film and the opposite within's darkness i think because that's mm. and don't you worry folks it's on the <laughs> list we'll get back to that one but in darkness fails so fundamentally and we've talked about this before because of the car <laughs> it relies on the audience knowing the tv show with with spock prime showing up and that whole thing mm. and yeah, yeah. N- nimoy being present and talking who was our greatest foe and all this kind of stuff like well it doesn't actually do anything and in this film He's kind of not a great foe at all. He doesn't really do much apart from want to get his crew back. And then suddenly he's like, oh no, he's the worst. Like, he invents teleporting between planets. And he Twat. cures death with his super blood. <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> right, let's... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Um, but yeah, that kind of thing where it, it relies on knowledge from the TV show is exactly what you don't want to do in that mm. sense. And yeah, yeah. it... I think that's one of the major failings of that that film is that it so heavily relies on people knowing the original series mm. and knowing whether it's obviously Wrath of Khan, the second film. So it's like an adaptation of a previous film that spins off of a TV show that this isn't an adaptation from. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Whoever thought that was a good idea, I don't know. Fucking whatever. And then also knowing the episode Space Seed as well, where Khan, like his origin story is. Mm. And it relies on kind of your knowledge of that because... The John Harrison character doesn't really get anything to do in that film. And then he just goes, I'm Khan. And everybody goes, (laughs) I don't know who that is. Cool. Why is that? Who are you revealing? You're revealing that to the audience of like dads who have taken their kids to see this show. (laughs) Or see, sorry, see this film. See, I even said show. Taking their kids to see this film. You're Mm. not revealing it to the characters or even to the target audience of this film because the target audience of this film probably fucking haven't seen that film before they were born. Mm. (laughs) It makes no sense it's such a weird choice to refer back to a tv show well referring like... to a 1982 film which is referring to a 1960s episode <laughs> of a tv series exactly yeah. yeah 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 going from a film tv show to a film to an adaptation of that film mm. based on the tv show i don't know why they thought that would work and it just well just I, I think it it's me. because it's not necessarily impossible. I think it's primarily because Ratha Khan did it. Um, the first um, Star Trek film, very the most pictures are very long. We won't get to that right now, but um, it did it bombed. It didn't do well at all. It wasn't what everyone was expecting or wanted. And then Ratha Khan was like, okay, we'll get this whole thing back in Maya, re- repurpose the whole thing, and yada yada. And it presented something that the fans would recognize. So it gets them in on board. And within the first five minutes of, of introducing Khan as a character, explains everything you need to know about him, who he is, and the importance it is to the TV series. It, every, every character around again says, so who's this guy exactly? Mm-hmm. Right, well, we left him here on a, a planet. We abandoned him. He tried to take over. And Chekhov says, there was, you know, we you tried to, you paid a hospitality by trying to steal my sh- our, our ship. And um, and then we left you on this planet of life. It is, this is that planet. It died. You never checked up on me. And it's like, oh, I don't need to have seen that episode. I know everything I need to know about it right now. This guy is pissed off and he had a wife and she died and all the things that i need to know about the episode is there because the performance is 
just brilliant, obviously. But the writing is smart enough to give you all the establishing beats very quickly. And that's what you end up seeing sometimes very ham-fistedly with exposition. You, I mean, even films that I love will just have, say, here's what happened. You're like, oh... I feel that was a little clumsy. That was a bit awkward because I've done my homework. Obviously, I know the series inside out, whatever it might be, wherever the, the film might be a, a continuation of. And you're like, oh, this, I know it's for new. And it's the same thing when you play like a new game in a, in a, in a series. And the same thing that my friends have, have, have complained about in the past. Let's take Assassin's Creed, for example. It's like, mm. oh, I'm a new assassin. I need to learn the controls. And you're like, I've played fucking 10 of these bastards. <laughs> I know the controls. You haven't changed anything much. But it's like, but it's not for you. It's for new players. Yeah, I know. But fuck them. <laughs> and, and this goes back to what you were saying about audience, in that there's yeah. going to be, for any of these films where there's been a TV series, there's going to be an audience that knows these things to, to a certain degree or another. You know, there's going to be yeah. people who are casual fans and people who are fanatical fans. And they're going to come in and they're going to want to jump straight to that. No, I want the the next adventure for these characters. I want the next story. I want to see how, what this, mm. you know, presumably bigger story than the, we ever could have told on the, te- on the television is. And I want to jump straight to it. Let's get into it. But there's also the audience who is seeing it for the first time that needs to be introduced to these characters, to introduce to where they are in terms of, you know, their, their sort of, you know, because it, it, it could be a case of, you know, for example, again, jumping back to Star Trek, characters... It's a Star might- Trek episode, folks. <laughs> audiences might understand okay i've got a vague idea of who spock is but if you jump in with star trek 5 for example you're not going to know like oh yeah he died and then he came back to life and like there's this whole thing and so you have to you not only have to introduce who the characters are you have to establish where they are in terms of their their arcs their journeys what has happened to them Um, which the way tv does it is previously on yes. Star Trek and you get this literally and I fucking hate those I skip them if I can like watching Lovecraft Country at the minute I'm skip 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 because I know the way the formula works what they're showing you is important and the more you go on to like mm-hmm. a series 4 series 5 it'll say oh in say, series 3 yeah. you get this character does the thing remember, you, you remember them it's like they, they no. did a really they spoiled the reveal in Fringe the show Fringe back oh, really? in the day where they but one of the characters it's about parallel universes and stuff. Sure. One of the characters is secretly from the parallel universe and you don't mm-hmm. know that. And there's hints of a, at it in like season one and it's revealed at the end of season two, I think it is, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And the episodes leading up to the reveal, all the like previously on fringe are just like, Hey, do you remember when he he might be from the other universe, right? And like I hadn't really thought about it, but sure, maybe. And now the next I'll talk like, about <laughs> Hey, do you remember that conversation we had where you might be from the other universe? He's like, What? Why are they talking about that? And the next episode, like, look, he's from the other <laughs> universe. Like, yeah, I know. You told me that two episodes ago with your previously on. Yeah. You hinted at that particular plot thread that is now completely ruined <laughs> for, the, for the rest of the show. Yeah. Like, th- thanks so much, previously on little teasers. Yeah. And yeah, I do the same thing. I, I, I'd skip them. Most shows I don't tend to watch have them now. now. Like, most shows I watch don't tend to have them now, thankfully. The one that always sticks out in my mind is the previously on AMC's Walking Dead. (laughs) That's always, like, the one that sticks out in my mind. But, yeah, I have stopped watching that show. I think I've not watched it longer than I watched it. (laughs) Yeah, and that show is coming to an end now as well. It is, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think... um, 
and again with the with the growth of streaming and having all episodes available there's less and less of a need for that for audiences because there's a certain assumption that you don't need to know what just happened in the previous episode because you watched it two maybe ago. maybe yeah. two minutes ago maybe oh yeah maybe yeah, with the binging culture a couple of days absolutely. but but less than the less than the week or maybe a couple of weeks or you know god knows with american tv schedules it could be like yeah, four months yeah. ago um <laughs> the, the, the previous episode came out my my favorite ever previously on is the one for the season five finale of Buffy where <laughs> Uh, because it is a you know a show that again had you know it taken that the push towards serialization that the X Files had done yes, and kind of ran yes. with it and had more of these season long arcs and so it was a show that heavily used that previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, and then with the season five finale it showed basically something from every single episode um, it started off like. In, you know, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, showed you the characters being introduced in the first episode, and then sped up yeah. and and went through the entire series up to that point in the space wow. of about fifteen seconds. To be fair, that episode was building to the death of Buffy, so yes, that makes exactly. complete so, sense. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, Whoa, spoilers! It's... No, <laughs> twenty-two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think also that there's been a replacement for because there is an equivalent for film, I think, and that's YouTube. Mm, because you get uh, the whole like, you know, oh, I'm gonna watch um King Kong versus Godzilla when it comes out, and you're like, okay, cool. Fifteen things you need to know before you watch King Kong versus Godzilla. And it comes Here's the story of this series so far in five minutes. Precisely. Yeah, and it's like, oh, sort of where's my little catch up? It's not official. They it's not watch Mojo and IGN and yeah, Screen yeah. Rant and all those motherfuckers. I mean, they're yeah. not official in the sense that they might as well be fucking official. I mean, again, HBO do it. They did it for Game of Thrones are doing it now, as I say, for Lovecraft Country. Um, and they did it for Watchmen. And it's it's really weird because we'll watch it and it'll say, like, you know, previously on or whatever. And it's just fast forward mm-hmm. until I can see the uh, the registered trademark yeah. line <laughs> on the bottom of the screen. And like, right now we're going to start the episode proper. And I think that I think they put those online now as well, like little two minute teasers of what happened previously. So you caught up and stuff. But as I say, it already just gives you, it's like, do you remember this character? It's like, yes, I, oh, fuck, now I know where you're going to be. Now everything's predictable. I can remember just before uh, Captain America: Civil War came out, I saw mm. this really great. wasn't even like a uh, you know screen rant or, or those people. It was a sure, fan sure. edit called like Road to Civil War, and Ooh. it put together the kind of the building tensions and the the motivations of those characters going in yeah. so much better than the like the, than the filmmakers. You know, you, you kind of wish that it had been a little short film that showed in front of the film and you kind of go in going like, ah, okay, I can completely understand why these characters are going to come, come to blows now. Um, yeah, entirely. Which again is something that with the MCU stealing, you know, being so heavily serialized is, is something mm. that works for it. Very true. Did the, just as the inverted version... Um, film to television with like the Mandalorian, for example, because um, I know like the, I'm sure the Clone Wars cartoons have always done a previously on sort of thing, but um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think the Mandalorian did have a previously on on Disney Plus. I think so for, have... cer- for certain episodes. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it did as well. But it didn't. Like, it by the way, it's, this person. It certainly didn't like just show you a picture of Boba Fett and be like, "Remember this guy? He's like this guy, but not." <laughs> Let's go, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> have you I think, watched I think Star was... Wars Rebels? No, tough shit. <laughs> Um, we should probably discuss, because I'm sure the audience is uh, listening with bated breath, some examples that aren't Star Trek. Um, <laughs> Tim's listed some interesting uh, categories. I, I, I'm really interested by this, 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 this segmentation. So 
Tim, do you want to walk us through yeah, um, so th- some common types? There is actually, there's a there's a Wikipedia page, which is Ooh. basically like, here is every TV show that has then had a film uh, Fucking following hell. it. It's intense. And there's a lot on there that I didn't recognise because it's, you know, international and, you know, I don't, I don't know Saturation. every TV show. But I did notice that there were some common types that started to leap out, to at least to me. Um, sure. One of the really... <laughs> Uh, the ones that probably wouldn't leap to mind if you if you started talking about this, you know, as much as we've gone like, oh, Star Trek, that's the obvious example. Mm. One that probably isn't an obvious example, and yet there's a surprisingly large amount of, is mm. UK sitcoms that then get a feature film based on them. Mm. Weirdly enough, when this came up, and involuntarily, you'd think, I mean, I'm literally where I'm recording, I can look up and there's a picture of the Enterprise above the <laughs> computer. <laughs> But the first thing that came to mind was Dad's Army. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's because when I was a kid, my dad liked Dad's Army, and there was a Dad's Army the movie, and I thought, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Why would there be a movie or a TV series? And it's and it's interesting when talking about those different kinds of adaptations, it's been done twice. There was mm. a there was a Dad's Army the movie yes, with the original cast, and there was a Dad's Army yes. the movie recently that was a reboot. Yeah. One was pretty bad because it wasn't filmed in the proper area. It was like, oh, this is really not very good. The other one is utterly shit <laughs> can you tell which is which and <laughs> and yeah i don't think any of these films have a particularly glowing uh reputation God, no. but they no. are you know a, a lot of them come from like the 70s and early 80s and they do feel a little bit like well the british film industry's got to keep itself afloat somehow like it's gotta we gotta find work for these people let's do a mm. let's do a movie of on the buses let's do a movie yeah. of the likely lads and so many of these properties were just like you know the film would be you know the classic example is like well they they, they all go on holiday and that's the movie and they get up to James almost, almost always <laughs> because because none of them they were all sitcoms and none of them were particularly set up to to have a natural kind of like well here's the thing that they do during their big cinematic release dad's yeah. army kind of is probably the one that's best suited because you know it's inherently set in a situation where something the big, fucking war yeah something <laughs> big could happen whereas you go like yes, mm, yes. okay well what's are you being served the movie like who the fuck knows oh. yeah I, okay these television <laughs> series are also which okay it, it is depressingly accurate that to this day the most popular tv series arguably let's not get all like mm. up on ourselves from britain here is only Fools and Horses. Oh, God. You could say, yes, okay, what about 40 Towers? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Only Fools and Horses ran for like seven or eight series or whatever it was. 40 and Towers it... is like 10 episodes total. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it didn't have movies. That was the interesting thing. It didn't. Mm. It had Christmas specials that mm. were like the big things that would be yeah, the equivalent where, of movies. But they didn't where, go do in the we, where do we sit on Christmas specials? Because you get like nah. feature length episodes. Yeah, and stuff they, like that, that, Britain yeah. is always weird with that, like with the Sherlock we, we Luther stuff. You're like, here's your two season episodes. The, doc- the Doctor season. Who thing. And, yeah. yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Well, Doctor Who with Paul McGann, that's another, that's the one I remember when I was a kid, mm. the, the, yeah. the movie. But again, yeah. I don't know if they got a cinematic release that was just for television. So I don't know. I, th- I don't think at the I time not. it did. No. It might have had no. someone. But in the 70s, yeah. you Doctor weren't competing with low much. budget. So wouldn't you, you had the carry on films, which might as well have been fucking TV series. But yes, uh, the Tim's listed it with like the likely ads on the buses, Are You Being Served, Porridge, Rising Damp, Dad's Army Twice, as you say. Mm. And the thing is, those big names of, of like uh, what we like called them um, sort of UK gold yeah. <laughs> style TV. God, yeah. It's it's your it's your like last of the summer wine that mm. kind of bullshit. Like your 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 not even necessarily your parents, but maybe your grandparents' TV mm. kind of thing. All of them, by the way, thoroughly hateful now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
because as much as they might have some really good homophobic or slapstick racist or observational or comedy, or, it was, yeah, still yeah. very much a, 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 we need a butt of the joke, and it's going to be the minorities um, or the poor. And you're like, oh, lovely, fantastic. But you'd still get a film coming, and Tim absolutely fucking nailed it. It's almost always going on holiday because he goes like, what can we do that's different? I know, let's take them out of the set. It's like, oh my God, really? Yes, it'll be spectacularly fun. What are they like when they're outside? Oh my God. Uh, when you say that, I think of the Inbetweeners movie. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, that's like, another fantastic contemporary example. Because that's the thing. Yeah, yeah it, it still happens. There's, I mean, there's more nowadays of the team behind a popular sitcom will then get given a movie that will be mm. like a shitty, that won't even, because because they've recognised like, okay, well, you know, Peep Show is not a format that lends itself to a cinematic release, but not we'll, give, we'll give Mitchell and Webb a film and it'll be about magicians and it'll be bad. Oh um, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my God. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's more of those nowadays, but obviously that's that's not what we're talking about. And, and to there's a, an interesting to a certain link, extent, sorry. you can even look Look at Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz as examples. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Yeah, yeah. It's not. An, it's, it's not a natural team progression. From space, but it's yeah. not. Yeah, but, but there's references to space, but it's not space. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, exactly. But obviously, they did it a lot more successfully than pretty much any any other of these teams have done. <laughs> I remember yeah. The Office came back with the David Brent movie, God. and that was like, oh yeah, God, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, it's 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 frank from from Britain specifically. It's baffling. It gets more frustrating because they're almost exclusively trash. So Keith Lemon the movie or Mrs <laughs> oh, Brown's Boys oh, da movie, and you're no, like, you can get in the no. fucking bin. Absolutely fuck off. And the thing is, it's almost always we talk about the audience. They aren't trying to hook, hook new people. They're trying to appeal to oh they they know the same people. Yeah. yeah. New people aren't getting into Mrs. Brown's Boys in 2020. No one should get into fucking it's Mrs. The, Brown's Boys. the same Boys. fucking... Horrific. I'm, I'm going to stop what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> the audience who are watching that particular choice of televisional program. It's shite. <laughs> and you're shite for liking it. Um, yeah. What's next? Let's, let's move on. Uh, so this was, a, this was a category that we mentioned that kind of really kicked off in the 90s when the age of nostalgia for, you know, and, and we talk about nostalgia cycles and how they work and it was kind of the first around that time where you had both people audiences having nostalgia for earlier tv series Mm. and also executives in a place where they would have the nostalgia and they'd be willing to approve a film about an old tv series and so a lot of these are american adaptations of properties that are about 20 or so years old and so if you go in the the 90s you've got stuff like the avengers that's the British series, not not the MCU thing. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lost in Space. Oh yeah, um, that film's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> Mister LeBlanc, Mister Magoo. The... Was that with the Leslie Nielsen? That was with Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Fucking Nielsen. Um, as I re- mentioned earlier, Wild Wild West. Yeah. Uh, which is based on a TV show, Mission Impossible. You know, we kind of don't think of it as based yeah, on a TV absolutely. show anymore. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and then and again, it's full of references to like, oh, they take the masks off and stuff. Yeah. But it's so gone beyond that now. It's just like people it does don't the, even remember yeah. the TV show. I think De Palma specifically had the version. Well, maybe maybe maybe, maybe John Woo, I don't know the version where it's like do what the TV series does and it shows you everything that's going to happen in the episode in the title sequence and the film does the same thing now because it's replicating something that they've seen in the TV series and then we we get after a while so there there, there were those that kind of took the property quite straightforwardly Mm. like The Saint with Val Kilmer it's like we're going to just do the same thing but make it modern yeah 
Um, and then as time went on, you got more that were kind of looking at stuff with a slightly ironic eye mm. to it. And so you got stuff yeah. like Starsky and Hutch, which we've already mentioned, where you had uh, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller playing the title roles. Uh, yeah. You have Ugh. 21 Jump Street, which hey. did, you know, a very mm. kind of self-aware rebooted version of the TV show, that, but that is technically in continuity with it. It is. Yeah, it is in the same continuity. Yeah. And, you know, you can go right up to, you know, modern day with with stuff like the Baywatch film that came out, what was it, Fucking two or three hell, with The Rock ago. and Zac Efron, yeah, yeah. that was uh, trash. Ma- Man from Uncle, uh, the Guy Ritchie oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned earlier there was an A-Team film, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's so much, and especially there's now this focus on just recycling intellectual property over and over again. God forbid we come up with an original idea or original IP or anything yeah. like that, because well, uh, precisely. the same problem in video games as well, Yeah, just recycling ideas. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's interesting how there's there's now there's an increasing kind of lens of irony to those reboots because mm. I think even even the film industry is recognizing that people are kind of like really I, I they they actually make the joke in the I believe the first Charlie's Angels film where <laughs> it starts off with the characters on a plane watching the movie on the plane is like TJ Hooker the movie and one of the oh, characters yeah. goes yeah. really another adaptation of an old TV series. Uh, and then an action sequence happens. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then movie. <laughs> yes, and then movie happens. So there's a there's a kind of recognition that like really are we still are we still doing this? Do people actually mm-hmm. want this? And yet clearly people do because people still keep going to these. Yeah, we recently had another Charlie's Angels as well. No, we, we had didn't. enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I, I actually reviewed parts of that being very very good. But most of it is not. It's like a really good cast with a terrible film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 bad. <laughs> and you know, we've mostly gone live action at the moment, but there's a couple of things that we should really talk about, which is mm. animation for kids, largely for kids. Both yes. From a Western point of view, where you have stuff like there was a G.I. Joe movie, there was obviously Transformers the movie back in the day. Sure. There's, you know, we've had Teen Titans in various forms. There's, you know, Doug got a movie back in the day. The Doug the movie, yeah. I believe like Doug's first movie. That was that was Correct. that was a little yeah. ambitious of them to, you know. Oh, very presumptuous <laughs> of you. Yeah. Doug, you piece of shit. Um and that is without even touching on anime, which obviously anime we going will. going from TV show into film is a really established pattern. And obviously, Matt, I think you can probably... I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that later, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a whole thing I need to say. <laughs> um, you need to say. You need to get it out of you. But again, it's the established audience thing again, isn't it? It's like what's currently working. And, and you will notice with these ones, the UK sitcom takes place usually a couple of years after saying like, oh, it's gone away for a while, but you remember this? The nostalgia one, this has been a couple of decades. Yep, dad might remember this, and your mum remembers this, but you know, you might like it in this new form. Or just take the piss out entirely and fuck it, we'll go on board with it. The turnaround for the, the kids thing is usually, right, we're still showing it now, or it's just ended. Go fucking go, because the kids will find something new. Yeah. Um, so if you like My Little Pony or something like that, you'd have it wouldn't be, you know, we're gonna end like the six seasons of the movie thing from community mm. as a concept. The you do your TV series, then you stop. You get your film, and that's the end of it. No more now. Put it away. Mm. It's like, no, no, you get a film. See how that goes. You get some more series. Transformers is a mm. such a weird example because spoilers <laughs> for a 30-plus-year-old movie. Um, Optimus Prime dies. It's a lot darker than the TV series. 
I mean, the opening of that movie is fucking uh, Unicron just eating a fucking planet. Yeah, it's a genocide, literal yeah. genocide. But it ends with "wooby wop wop beep boop." International language of bullshit. <laughs> the, the universal communication. Yeah, which which is, is an interesting point about uh, pacifism, but we won't worry about that. Um, but the uh, the idea that the continuity in the movie had an impact on the show. Prime was dead, and Rodimus Prime was now a thing. Fucking Rodimus, Rodimus Prime. Um, and it was like, oh no, we're gonna have to go forward now. These are these are the impacts we have to fill in the series now. Obviously, do you argue this is all part of the same universe, same writers? Is it something that we're given like, oh, now you deal with it. It's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. But that's these kind of movies having to really address this. Mm. I think that's, and again, it's very, it's quite different with anime. We'll come back to that, as I say, in a minute. Yeah, but, um, I, I think that is an interesting thing with, because there's a lot of, even something as uh, as simple as, I believe that it was one of the Rugrats movies uh, that introduced the baby brother for Tommy. Dill. Dill. Which Matt will obviously hate because it's Dill a pun Pickle. name. Yeah. Dill Pickle uh-huh. can uh-huh. fuck right uh-huh. off. Dill Pickle. <laughs> um, and yeah, there, there is an interesting because they're so contemporary to the series being made, and often you know they'll they'll take place kind of between seasons. There is a sense that yeah, the, the your kids you're gonna they're gonna watch this cartoon, then they've got to go and see this at the cinema because it's when the show comes back, you know, in the autumn it will reference the events of this movie in in one way or another. There'll be a new character who's been introduced or a character who's, you know, got new magical powers because of the film, um, those kind of things. And and really leaning hard on the serialisation of TV in a way that most of these movies, like we say, because they come considerably far after, mm. don't. This is a good segue, which lassoes Jack into this. Hello. Um, I remember Power Rangers on TV as we now transition to live-action children's show. Mm. Um, and in the movie, the Power Rangers of the movie, they weren't, they were the, you know, the, the dinosaurs awards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, classic costume look. And then it was, you had this slick version. And then they became ninjas, which then and became they impactful get, in the they series. They get the cool monk ninja outfits. Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of the point. It's like, then the TV series, I believe, continue with that. And you're like, oh, but if you hadn't seen the film... It was a strange transition, I imagine, going from one episode to another. So there was this, in, as Tim mentioned, this instinctive mindset of, well, you have to watch the movie <laughs> in the same way that as an inverted version with Disney+. Plus, You have to watch Captain America's spin-off show with Winter Soldier and, and, um, and Falcon. Otherwise, you won't be able to stay current with the MCU Captain America bit. I'm like, oh, cool. It's like, obviously, you have to watch Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch's stuff to know what's going on probably in Doctor Strange. And you're like, WandaVision. One division. Thank you very much. I completely slipped out my head for a minute there. Yeah, um, but that's the point. It's it's the 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 no longer watch this one film and you know bump up our revenue and toy sales to carry on with the series. It's watch this long series to make this one film make more sense. You're like, oh okay. So yeah, live live action children's stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Disney Channel kind of stuff in there. Oh well, yeah, God. Um, or even if it's not Disney Channel, it's stuff. I think like you could tell tell me, be like, oh no, that was actually shown on you know ABC or whatever in the states. I'd be like, uh, no, it's, Dis- the, Disney, it's Nickelode- the Disney Channel. Yeah, Disney and Nickelodeon almost exclusively like saying yeah. we should put this into the cinema. Thing. Yeah. So right. there was there was an even Stevens movie. There was a yeah. Lizzie McGuire movie. There was I think several Sabrina the Teenage Witch movies. I felt so. Um, Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Was the yeah. Hannah Montana. <laughs> exactly. Um, very much that kind of 90s into 2000s 
kids TV mold where they yes. they realized that those properties were big enough to sustain a film. Um I think they've gone back to uh, just about contemporarily mm. speaking. I wonder if they've gone back to being just now more about the streaming movie because of Disney Plus. Yeah, I think and the notion of straight to DVD style kind of thing. Like I'm thinking I'm thinking of, I'm just trying to think of what we could have that's an equivalent of a TV series that's currently running that is live action for kids. If you take like the Nickelodeon stuff of uh, iCarly and Victorious, which mm. I admit in like 2010s, I think at this point now, maybe. Yeah, maybe I think iCarly got a movie. Did it get a movie? I'm, I think it so. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So it must be, it must be still an ongoing trend. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think probably we're just old enough that we don't know what the, uh, the properties fucks. are. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, and a lot of those do do end up, you know, if they do something, it'll be a TV movie. But, sure, but there, sure. there were still ones that were big enough to warrant a, a cinematic release. Some, some properties always will be big enough to do that. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll do an, you know, a simple formula. X plus, uh, minus Y was that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. right, what's the cost of making this and distributing it across cinemas across the world? Or more importantly, usually just across the niche market, which is the country of origin. Mm. We talk about like, the UK sitcoms. They don't usually get, you know, releases yeah. outside. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> That's why a lot of American cinema releases like, oh, it's released in the cinema. It's like, uh, not for us, it's not. Um, it's like straight to streaming or straight to DVD yeah. or video, or however you see it in some capacity. And then you take that cost versus the how much do you think will draw in the regular fans to repeat viewings and all that kind of stuff. Because this is the only way you're going to get to see it for a little while mm. is to see it in the cinema multiple times. You go, okay, fair enough. And then weigh up the two and say, fuck it, we'll do this in the cinema or fuck it, we'll do it as a, a TV thing. Because again, it's, uh, on top of the uh, nature of do we show it in cinema or not is will we then be able to sell DVDs or something? Yeah. And again, that's a very antiquated mindset now the dvd thing kids aren't exactly that engaged by the dvd market shall we say but that's a that's, a, that's actually if you if you do want to get into a bit of that stuff just as self-plug very quickly i wrote an article recently uh for film east about the nature of streaming and stuff so go have a look at that i'd say links in the show note but we might forget so just, just go google it <laughs> matthew stogden film east you'll find it so very last thing to talk about before we get into our own picks i think is probably me just <laughs> about anime <laughs> Feel free to skip ahead ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. You've got you've <laughs> no. got ten minutes to say all of your anime thoughts, Matt. We're timing you. Oh my In god! Three, all of my anime thoughts. Two, one, go for anime. Anime. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, anime is a bit different to the Western animation style thing. We talk about Transformers, for example, where it would uh, have an impact and and so on and so forth and shape how the series goes. Anime is the most successful example of this, and I'm just going to run a few figures for you. So one of the biggest shows at the minute, Shonen Wise, is um, which is a typical action series, is My Hero Academia. It's got like four seasons at this point, I want to say. Yep. And it's had two films. And these are films which I should point out were released in British cinemas. That's not really a thing that... I mean, obviously there's a growing market now, so there's more and more um, uh, demand for it, shall we say. And these got obviously cinematic releases in Japan and America and so on and so forth. So there is a hunger for them. And they make decent box office, decent bank. Naruto, another big, huge shonen market. Eleven films. Eleven fucking movies. So there's a weird trend in anime for like Mm. OVA type stuff, isn't there? Which is like it's a feature length episode that's not really a film and that Mm. gets very tricky and confusing very quickly as well. Very true. The the OVA thing was very much the nature of um original video animation is the idea it would go straight to video. It would be as you say, like a long episode thing. It does group a lot of these in here. One Piece and Gundam, again, a huge, long, ongoing things, 14 films. And Dragon Ball, and this isn't like the, the most, it's just one that came to mind, it's a recognisable property. 
23 fucking movies. So we're talking about like, oh, I've maybe. seen get- them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you get like the idea of like, oh, well, you know, we're going to do Transformers and they'll have one animated movie coming out of it. And that's a key point. Transformers was huge. One animated movie. The Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, was huge. Three live action uh, movies. And so it becomes a very different trend as the things progress. But anime continues in this fashion. And now with the fact that the West is eating up, it becomes equally important. What's interesting about a lot of them is that some really further the plot, some are really engaged, some you have to see, and some revert things back to normal at the end of it because it's like, eh, not everyone's going to go see this. You're like, oh, that's weird. Um, Or alternatively, you have, this is the movie. Fantastic, that's cool. Don't worry, when we get to doing it in the TV series, we'll stretch this one movie into 10 episodes. Mm. I'm sorry, what? It's like, yeah, they're, you've seen it already. They're but not get... canon with the main series. It's and I, very that melted my brain with the, the recent Dragon Ball Broly? Z. Yeah, well, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Broly is super. Broly is canon. Yes, it to is. Super. <laughs> um, but Battle of Gods and Resurrection F yeah. are basically the first two seasons of Dragon Ball Super mm-hmm. in film form, but the seasons are 20 episodes long. <laughs> so you get two films told over the span of like 40 episodes. You're like, yeah. We, this has already happened. Why are you? Why are you redoing this? They remake all the. Oh my god! I can't believe they met this character. Like, yeah, we know this came out two years ago. What are you talking? We know about? how this goes. Why yeah. are you retelling this story but longer and with fifteen filler episodes? <laughs> I think that always comes down to one big thing with anime. Most of the time, anime is not an original property. It is an adaptation of manga, manga, uh, and because there's a light lot of novels as well. Some people go uh, or light novels exactly. And that's kind of the key thing here. Um, so you end up like, we need to rush this out now as a film. So, okay, cool. Here's the Boruto movie. Great. Now we're going to do a Boruto TV series. I already know how this goes. <laughs> I know I know what you're going to do for the next 40 episodes. Ah, but do you? And again, I always maintain, I tend not to watch the movies too much because the TV series is more developed and drawn out and more interesting. Yep. So it is, it is a very strange, surreal rule unto itself. And it's the nature of isolationism in a weird way where it's like, we have one market and that's us. We don't care. But now, obviously, with the explosion of anime fans in the 90s growing to the 2000s and so on and so forth, it's like, no, 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 no. International market wants this too. And you're like, oh, well, I guess it probably should have more impact to make things canon. We probably should deal with this stuff. And it, it's it's a very interesting, in the same way that the UK sitcom sort of idea that you were to say like, okay, Coronation Street is a soap opera that's been going for, for decades. And we're going to do a, a first Coronation Street movie, which was a thing in the 90s, by the way. You can only buy it on video. And it's about them going on a cruise ship. Ooh, what's going on holiday? We'll never show this on television ever. You have to buy the video. Guess what? They showed it on television. Um, and um, it'd be like trying to show that to say like, oh, no, no, people. And this does happen with like Doctor Who and stuff. Like, no, oh, no, people in America now care about the BBC stuff. No, no, it's ITV, but you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, well, we hadn't really planned for that. We don't really, we, we don't really do it differently. Well, you're going to have to now because this audience wants in a certain capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's, Again, very, 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 very brief summary of the anime stuff. Anime don't usually give a fuck about anything else happening abroad. And now it's because like, oh, now we maybe need to. So sometimes, uh, the, the, My Hero Academia, for example, having two films is a very interesting one because uh, the two films I've had so far have arguably fed into the plot specifically of this of the of the of this uh, series. Yeah, there's a between season. Mm. There's between season three and season four, I think. And yeah, I just started season four. Series two and series three had a film in between. It? It's just two and three, and then three and four. I think. Yes, two, that's right. Yeah. They're like interseason, uh-huh. hey, hey. interseason hey. episodes, essentially, that they just kind of slotted. Yes. Yeah, I'm funny enough. I was going to bring up my hero 
um, earlier when we were talking about the previously on things because it mm. does the opposite and teases the next episode at the yeah. end of every episode <laughs> in character, which Very is true. still the weirdest thing to me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, those films actually coming out in cinemas kind of shows how much shonen anime has come forward. And like you mentioned, One Piece, Naruto, Dragon Ball, My Hero Academia. They're the four big shonen jump hey, hey, series of, hey, of Bleach ever, fans shut up shut up <laughs> they, they've given up they've thoroughly given up on Bleach Bleach is dead although they're finishing it but they're not but they are uh, Bleach has been dead for years people yeah. people who love Bleach have given up on Bleach but My Hero Academia is carrying on you know of course, of course it's going strong basically and One Piece is a whole I know Matt you and I have been to Japan Mm. One Piece is a, is a whole thing. <laughs> it's it's the biggest. It's mm. it's probably going to overtake um, Dragon Ball as the biggest selling shonen manga, yeah. and it is the longest running shonen anime now. I think, yeah, or something I think like so. that. It, One Piece is the the biggest, most insane thing. Um, Several hundred episodes, and, and yeah, the fact that we're getting them released in cinemas. I mean, coronavirus notwithstanding, obviously, oh, and yes, that kind of stuff, yeah. but. I think that says how much of where they've come from because I've seen the phrase OVA so many times. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And people will often lump the films in with that as well and it's the same thing and whatever. But no, these are actually relevant, canon, well-produced. They actually put money into them and stuff like that, which mm. kind of what separates them from the OVA stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's we talk about like the nature of uh, uh, of, of the, the Dragon Ball stuff, for example. It's like, oh, well, that must be just because it's a different studio or different rights. It's like, no, it's the same team. It's the same actors. It's the voice actors, I should say. It's the same group who are doing the film version and then doing the TV series, but a more in-depth analysis. Um, we'll move on from that because, as I say, we'll, we'll come back to anime probably later. But um, I, I think one of the last examples I was give was actually one of utter fucking frustration because this is something that Jack mentioned about teasing what comes next at the end of like Hunter 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 Sekarabiria. You're like, oh great, it's going to tell me like what happened in the episode. And it's like, well, you know, here's some interesting canon bits, and then mm-hmm. next time this is happening, and then. Again, as Jack says, they're kind of almost in character. Yeah, the, the My Hero show. one's really funny because you'll get the villain being like, well, next time I'm going to defeat the blah, blah, blah. Like, wait, what? Why are you doing that? <laughs> well, you shouldn't be doing the outro. I should be doing the outro. I'm the good guy. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really playfully silly. And you're like, this is very yeah. out of character and strange. But one that really fucked me off is Love Live. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Are you, are you a Love Live project? Matthew? Yeah, I fucking love Love Live. Of course you are. It's great. Of course you are. Um, love Live is. Brilliant. Sunshine is acceptably good. I like it a lot, but it's not as good. So it ran for two seasons, and a movie basically came out afterwards. Uh, I have yet to see the movie, because again, distribution, it's very difficult to see these things. Sometimes Crunchyroll has it, sometimes they don't. Blah, blah, blah. But we watched the two seasons, really enjoyed it, and it's like, right, that's it. We're at the end of the thing. Classic problem with these kind of, especially idol sort of style, um, or sports anime um, mm, yeah, yeah. arc is like the seniors the senpais they're all leaving school we have to make sure we win for the senpais <laughs> we'll make it for them come on we have to try harder they're leaving <laughs> school soon they have to have one win <laughs> etc um, and one ends like the school end year ending those, the, the, like, there's like a nine in this idol group and there's three from different years and the th- older three are leaving and you're like great and then one of the characters comes in and says oh no it's an emergency which is something like one of our catchphrases and the series ends and you're like, fantastic. And it's like, what what's happened next? And it's like, wait on, this was this is recent. And then you look at certain series like um like Konosuba and other bits and pieces, and one of my picks for when we're going later. And you're like, this ended two years ago. What the fuck happened? Where's my where's my resolution? What's this cliffhanger bullshit? And it's like, oh don't worry, there's a film. When? It was like 2019. 
well, I can't bloody watch it. What the hell? Um, so you, again, at this point, I don't know what that problem was. I assume it was literally just, you know, oh no, we need to perform live, you know, whatever it's going to be. So there are impact. It's, again, it's the it's rather than the very cold separation, and this is something that TV series, other than anime, tends to do. It's like this is the TV stuff, this is the movie stuff, and never shall they reference each other too much. It'd be like you know, this is just this plot. Even the Power Rangers stuff to a degree. It's just resetting canon for various bits and pieces. The TV series would end with, right, watch my movie coming out soon. You're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and then the TV series would start again either with, did you remember that stuff from the, from the movie? And they'd be the, like, uh, uh, X-Files fucking did it because they'd say previous on X-Files and they'd have these like cinematic bars for the, for the 169. <laughs> you go, yeah. oh, this is the movie stuff. Um, and it's, it's a very interesting shift, shall we say, that is again because of the nature of distribution can be really alienating and frustrating talking about anime it makes complete sense i segue into my pick because obviously um so yeah i must admit i was genuinely thought first thing came to mind was dad's army weirdly enough and then i thought to myself oh it's gotta be star trek right it's gonna be fucking star trek it's like no weirdly enough and i don't know why this is my pick because i don't think it's an especially great film it was well received it made lots of money but it's a it's a very strange one. So it it, com- it 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 culminates all that stuff I just mentioned about anime in general. It's the saga of Tanya the Evil, the movie, or uh, alternatively Yojusenki, which is um, the military chronicles of a little girl. I think that's the translation of the Japanese. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Very very briefly, this is like a one shot series. It's an obviously an ongoing thing from a light novel and manga and that sort of stuff. It's got various volumes. But the actual show itself ran for ooh, 12 episodes, maybe 13 episodes. I don't know, I think 12 episodes back in 2017. And it's like, okay. And the first episode is this very almost steampunky fantasy sort of thing about a little girl who is a mage in an imperial military corps. And it's a very World War One trench staff warfare, except there are people flying around um, casting spells with these guns and it's it's really cool visuals I love it so much the music's over the top the voice acting's fantastic it's rich fantasy military nonsense and it's it's, it's brilliant it's it's literally something that only animation can do I mean I would be amazed at live action version because the main character is a child she's like I think maybe 10 years old or some shit and this is something they don't reveal until the second episode which is utterly fantastic it is all the stuff about the war and, you know, oh, this is the Imperial place. And it's kind of an equivalent of Germany in a fantasy world. It's kind of World War I, sort of. The, the, these, these two opposing forces, etc. And then in episode two, it cuts to Japan. Contemporary Japan. Our yeah. Japan. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And it's this really awful salaryman. He has no name. He's just an atheistic salaryman who is really unscrupulous. He doesn't believe in any form of um, anything. So he kind of doesn't give a shit. And... Due to performance at work, he fires a subordinate. And then later in the day, while he's sitting, or sorry, sitting, he's standing at a, a crowded um, train station, said person pushes him under the tracks. And he's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die. In that moment, he freezes and he... Um, speaks to God? Speaks to God. Yeah. God talks to him and he's like, oh, I'm atheist. I don't believe in you. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course you believe me. I'm, God, I'm talking Tough. to you. Like, I'm here. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, um, well, I, I, okay, well, you've been an awful person, but you know, you, you um, haven't had any faith in anything. He said, yeah, I still fucking don't. I'm going to call you being X because I don't believe in you. <laughs> He's like, well, fuck you. Okay, well, and then it's the whole, like, you know, classic Old Testament style 
the god and the devil have a, a wager kind of thing. Being X then says to him, okay, well, I'm going to snatch you out of here. I'm going to transport you to a world and reincarnate you where you will have to pray to me. You will have to become uh, benevolent and you'll have to ask me for help and, and therefore acknowledge my existence. And this man with his also consciousness learning and everything he is as a regular salary man, all unscrupulous and a bit of a twat, wakes up as a baby in this <laughs> early 1900s European setting. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> and then he ages, but he's like, okay, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? Okay, fine. There's a war going on. Right. I'll just start. And there's like this, this whole military base doesn't understand that one of their finest battalion officers is a 10 year old girl. Um, and they then have this thing where they're right. Okay. Well, the only way you can use your power by the way in this world is to pray to God. And he's like, you piece of shit. <laughs> so in order to survive, he has to say a prayer every time he fires his gun. <laughs> um, and it's just this ongoing thing. It talks about the military side of things. It's very silly, very over the top, really fun, very cool. And he's just constantly trying to get out of military service, like Blackadder in a way. He's trying to just not be in the war and, and, and win the bet, as it were. And the being X just simply appears to him as like a nutcracker or other bits of pieces like, He's just sitting there quietly. She's just sitting there quietly. Major, Major Degorachev, uh, Tanya von Degorachev. And um, she, she's, then just suddenly this thing turns to her and starts talking. It's like, fuck off, being X. Get the fuck out of here. That kind of thing. It's really silly. But the movie came out in 2019. Very successful. Two years after the series. Carries on where it is. There's been a sort of semi continuation, which is Isaac um, Classroom, which does not count. We're not talking about that. And it's fascinating because we talk about previously on. Oh, you don't get none of that with this movie. Mm -hmm. It throws you deep in there. And if you haven't seen the series, it's just, it's not for you. They would just never assume anybody who hasn't seen the series wants to or would watch this movie. There's a bit of a rough, I know, do you mean like Ratha Khan style overview where it goes through very much like a couple of sentences. And that's why I find it, it's why I've highlighted it. Not necessarily because it's good, although I like it particularly because I love Saga of the Time of the Evil. I think it's one of my favorite animes of the last few, well, the last decade or so, shall we say. It's a really strong series. But again, because it's based on a war that's constantly ongoing, the film starts with this operation in Africa. And again, in class, like, right, nailed it. Now I'm going to go relax on the, on the back lines. And no, we're going to ship you to the front lines in like this, uh, this effective equivalent of Russia. And it's like, oh, shit. And so constantly, like, you know, she's at the window of this plane screaming like, no. Then they get to Russia and it starts with this whole thing about effectively a sort of Russian Revolution, Stalin-esque kind of thing going on. So it leaps back and forth in terms of this alternate reality. At the same time, there's an American character called Mary Sue, because Japan, coming up with a name, why not Mary Sue? Um, and Tanya's gun belonged to Anton Sue, her father, and she joined the military, this sort of allied cooperative thing to, to, to fight the force. And they just happened to be in Russia when the, the, um, the Imperial forces attack. This will sound like a lot of jargon, a lot of alienation and a lot of distance for anyone who has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. And that's kind of my point. The film doesn't care. The film isn't doing what most, I mean, and this might not be true going forward with the game. We talked about the nature of um, growing audiences and demand and so on and so forth. But the truth is we're not trying to recruit new people to this movie. It's also 12 episodes. If you want to go watch it all in one go and binge it, fucking go for it. But really all you need to know is being X, magical girl, let's go. War, cool visuals. And the rest of it goes on there. But the actual, actual this is the end point, the key story in between, the middle, the actual arc through and through for the Mary Sue character, for example, is really interesting and really well done. It's part of why the reason why this was praised as a really good series, uh, a good film, I should say, and why it made all the money. Even though the end of the film, I suppose, spoilers, she's still like, oh, bollocks, I thought I'd get out of this. And it's like, no, no, you should train down a regiment. And they go to the front line. It's like, fuck. And she's almost always like, 
you know, Flintstone style ends with, you know, Wilma! She's just very much like screaming to the heavens, curse like, you, God, God, curse you being X. Yeah, for, for doing this to me. I, I just constantly want to get out and live, and live an easy life and sleep in a bed. You keep forcing me to be put on the front line because I happen to be very good at this. Um, and the whole point is as well that the underlying texture of this and why I think it resonates in, resonates in Japan really well. The series is a commentary on the evils of capitalism <laughs> about salarymen. It's like, yeah, these people are the fucking worst. Not saying all salarymen are bad, but the nature of how that industry progresses, the nature of how awful it is as a work ethic, the nature of if your boss does a good job, they get a bonus. If you do a good job, you get more work. And it's like, uh, what the fuck? And that's very much like the nature of the series. And I think it's, it's, it's a very, very good show and a really good film. But one of those key examples of not for you. <laughs> so Star Trek tries its hardest to just get people in. It's a reboot. It's the new TNG series. Let's Kirk and Picard. If you don't know Picard, you got Kirk. That kind of thing. It's a Borg time travel thing. Let's go, let's go, mm. let's go. This is just literally, this is more of the show. It's just bigger. And in truth, I don't actually know if it is bigger. It just feels like, because the animation is already so heightened in the actual show. It's so over the top and so bombastic. The film doesn't do much, in my opinion, to excel that. It just does more well. Um, so that's my choice. Um, I'm going to bounce to Jack now for a, a, a semi-similar, semi-different one. Very much a, a, a for the fans, I think. Yeah, very much so. And somebody I talked about previously on our Shakespeare adaptation episode as well, bringing us back to terrible person but <laughs> who creates stuff that I like. Joss Whedon. Mm. <laughs> and just saying that name, you can probably guess what I'm talking about if we're talking about TV shows that went on to have a film. It's one of my favourite TV shows ever. Firefly got the movie Serenity following it up in 2005. And it was very much, as you said, Matt, very much a, well, the show was cancelled and really didn't get a, a fair go at it, is what a lot of the fans say, because it was aired out of order and it was a whole thing and people didn't really know how to market this weird space western thing happening. It's like, I don't know, whatever. People aren't going to watch this shit anyway. It doesn't matter. And then it took off with the nerds. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, they basically tried to come up with a way to cap everything off and give it a, a somewhat satisfying ending. And I really like Serenity, but it does it does kind of have that burden of, oh shit, we need to wrap things up now because we're never going to get another series we're never gonna, mm. you know, get a chance to do this again. So we need to get as much as we can out of this, what, a hundred minutes, hundred and twenty minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. And you get like, spoiler alert, multiple character deaths from the principal cast, ending up with two of the principal characters kind of going off on their own onto this like next journey kind of thing. And so much stuff happens and it explains like the big mystery from this series and it all kind of happens in this one thing. I love it because I'm that kind of biased fan, unfortunately, from from my love of Serenity. Sorry, from my love of Firefly coming into Serenity. But yeah, I think it, it does feel a bit rushed at times and it does kind of uh, really go for it. And, and for those of you who don't know, Firefly was this show in the early 2000s that was kind of the first like space westerny thing I'd certainly experienced. And, and the big thing coming out from shows like Cowboy Bebop, another one of my all-time favorite shows, mm. um, it's set like 500 years in the future and it's this crew of outlaws and ne'er-do-wells all kind of hanging out on this one ship which is a firefly class ship that's the type mm. of spaceship that it is called serenity so that's the kind of tie in there mm. um and it aired 
for in 2002, like literally for a few months. Again, talking of having barely a dozen episodes, I think there's 14 mm-hmm. episodes of yeah. Firefly in total. And as I said, it was aired out of order. It just wasn't around at the right time for whatever reason. And Fox didn't know what to do with it. And they were like, fuck it, cancel it. You know, it's not it's not moved the needle at all. So let's just get rid of it. And what made that show so special to me is the setting and the principal characters, the the cast, the central cast of yeah. people like Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyk, Moraine Nabakarin, Gina Torres, Jewel State, Sean Maher, Summer Glau, Ron Glass, like people who you've now gone on to see in so many other things. Speaking of the MCU, a bunch of them have popped mm. up in the MCU because yeah, yeah. of the, the Whedon connection there. It's a brilliant, brilliant group of characters. It's it's funny. It's got the Western edge. It's got the sci-fi edge. It brings all those things together really, really well. And then they were like, nope, fuck it. Let's cut it off. And then eventually Whedon and, and a few of his team were like well we're gonna and it was i think barry mandel was one of the main kind of one of the producers was like the main driving force behind like no we need to see this off we need to do this right you haven't got much money we're gonna give you like i think it was like 35 40 million dollars that's your lot there is no if ands or buts about it reuse the sets from the tv show if they're still in that parking lot from back in the day <laughs> when it was like use as much as you can get as many people back as you can and uh yeah do it that way and it, it feels like a kind of and I think hey, I think I've kind of equated this to the the Whedon Shakespeare thing of like a cool like a bunch of friends getting together and doing a film <laughs> that they want to make, and it feels a bit more independent than it probably actually is, funded by studios and all that kind of stuff. But it felt like something that was a cultural moment for nerds, where we're like, yeah, mm. we get we finally get the we won. the conclusion to the story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially considering it was Universal that did it, not Fox. Yeah, yeah, oh. they they took over the the rights. I don't know if they bought the rights out, bought mm. them out of the series outright because I think Fox still has some. They still uh, distribute the DVDs and distribution DVD. Yeah, yeah. yeah from the, the Blu-rays I have have the, sure. the Fox logo on and stuff like that. But yeah, I really like Serenity as a film, but I think I don't think it holds up. And the fact that it doesn't hold up to people who probably don't know Firefly is another problem to it. It very very much relies on you knowing the characters, and mm. it does a few things of saying up their relationships and their dynamics and stuff but it really kind of relies on you knowing their situation where they're left at the end of firefly and where they they're going and the kind of mystery like i said that it sets up um is very much carried on from the show as well yeah i think i i I mentioned serenity in our opening title sequence uh episode because Mm, mm. i think the the start of that film is very clever in how it tries to get across the character relationships and the setting and everything as quickly as possible to get everyone up to speed. And I think it does a really good job in some regards. Um, And there's some things that it just can't, it just does not have the space to do if you haven't seen the series, you know, but I think, you know, it, it does its, it does its best, but it is a very tricky line to walk. And I think it's, it's interesting in the 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 kind of the campaign that came out of you know trying to save Firefly and all that kind of stuff and you know we're talking at something that kind of was at the around at the start of kind of social media kicking off um, the kind of Very web two so, yeah. period and following that you've got a lot of uh, attempts to do things like save shows around that time I remember I believe it was Chuck where. Uh, Subway yeah, was one yeah. of the, the the advertisers or a sponsor in the US, and so they like all the fans organized going to buy like loads of Subway 
on the day yep. that Chuck showed or whatever to kind of prove that there was a monetary reason to keep the show on the air. And you look down that line of fan campaigns and you see at the end of it, there's the Snyder cut. Uh, and so I'm not <laughs> sure. Like I was going to get onto it's, that. Yeah, it's an entirely is... positive precedent that it's set. Not at all. But, no. But it also, I think it shows that there was a, there was a fan base that was really passionate about seeing some kind of closure to that story and and I think Serenity in some ways it delivered it um I think perhaps the character deaths were slightly unneeded I know it's a thing that Whedon likes to do to kind of up the stakes but yeah um, it's a very Whedon-y thing isn't it I think you know it's it's a it's a mixed bag of a film but I think I think it still holds up reasonably well i think the moments when it works it works really well and uh it's got a a great villain in the form of um chiwetel ejiofor um who's just oh, he's fantastic the operative yeah magnificent in that yeah. film i think that was my introduction to chiwetel ejiofor i saw that and kinky boots and didn't realize it was the same guy <laughs> well as we said before i was at the edinburgh film festival they were showing both <laughs> i was like oh hello again <laughs> Um, I, I think it's very interesting because almost in a way, the nature of fans saving shows, uh, Snyder Cut notwithstanding, that's the, uh, there are a few exceptions to the rule. But the, what usually happens is they're like, we are legion. There are so many of us. We want this to go. I've watched Serenity nine times in the cinema and Veronica Mars must come back and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes well, you do in certain another capacities. Good example of that, yeah. yeah. But at the same time... Like with Dread, for example, and something Alex Garland said, thank you to everybody who's buying like multiple copies of Dread and DVD and stuff like that and Blu-ray and stuff. But the truth is, it's not enough. Mm. It's not the kind of numbers they need. It's not the demographic. Do does anybody have a couple of hundred million dollars just lying around? <laughs> That's the thing. If you're not punching in the huge numbers, they're not going to care. If anything, while they're saying, oh, there's definitely a market for it, all it does actually usually is expose how little of a market there is for it. So you talk about the Chuck and the Subway things. It's like, cool. They bought 500 Subways. They're like, cool. That's two grand. Yeah. yeah. That's not enough. That pays for brilliant. like Nathan Fillion's lunch for the week. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> brilliant. even, oh, what's it called? The folding money they give you uh, to walk around with per, per, per diem mm. um, on, on big productions. <laughs> They're like, here's like 200 quid. What the is this for? Just walk around money. Yeah. For what? <laughs> just, it's, it's a very strange film thing for big big sets, for, for actors, especially for big people who are appearing and such. Um, but the, the concept that um, I mean, like Serenity, just to stick on this thing for a second. Serenity did fine, but Universal wanted it to do more. And I think it, there yeah, are... it was predicted to open at number one yeah. in America. It opened at number two, and everybody was like, "Oh, that's a big difference." And and for mm-hmm. those, especially back then, and and it's become a huge thing in music now as well. Like sure. becoming number one now is much easier than becoming number one back in like the nineties. When they're controlling what you can actually hear. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that, that similar is true with the box office now as well. Like Becoming mm. a number one film is not as much of a big deal, unless you're something like the Marvel Universe. Like You can be a number one film and actually not make that much money. It, it's very expected and, what will be number one based on the fact that there's not a lot of things showing. Exactly, yeah. And things like established IPs that we've already mentioned course, as well. And this opened at number two. And it was like, ah, hmm, okay. So there, there is a fan base for this. They are very, very passionate. There's about there's a few thousand of them that's it like, yeah, we need millions of people that, like I said I think the budget was about 40 million yeah. the box office was also 40 million it's like it made its money like nope that's not how that works and again as we've talked about many times on this show fucking marketing marketing is expensive especially for big 
huge yeah. multimedia things that you want, you know, mm. you want TV ads, you want billboards, you want spots on fucking I don't know, radio back in sure, the day, whatever sure. it was, like internet pop-up ads and stuff like mm. that. You know, you sponsor a Screen Rant or Empire Magazine or their website will have this drop-down thing in cinemas now, yes. takes over your screen. That all costs money. And the rule of thumb, as we've talked about before, is double your budget. Mm-hmm. Whatever goes into the production budget, probably roughly, give or take, went into the marketing budget as well. So mm-hmm. a $40 million film is actually probably more like a 70 to $80 million film. Mm-hmm. So if it makes $40 million at the box office, you lost your marketing budget. Yeah, especially if you haven't got the merchandise. And exactly, really. yeah. I think I it's, it's... I wish it did, Matthew. I wish <laughs> it did. <laughs> it's, it's worth going back to... I mean, obviously, there are obviously are Firefly-themed things around, but not official at the time canon to that movie specifically. And that's the key point here with the Universal and Fox pissing all over each other with regards to acquiring rights. We're going to promote this movie. Come see our movie. It's cool. It's cool for these fans specifically, but also it'll be fun for you as a cool action for, uh, science fiction film. Great, great, great. Who are the characters? Oh, don't... Don't watch that. You don't need to watch that. Why? Don't give money to Fox. Yeah. It's not us. Don't give them money. Yeah. And that's why when people say, oh, they're going to get Charlie Cox's Daredevil, they might, but I doubt they will because it's like, oh, how do I see the origin of this character? Go watch Netflix. Subscribe to our, our fucking competition. Yeah. No, I don't fucking think so. Even if you reboot it and bring back certain elements, yeah, maybe we'll see. But the truth is it's easier just to go, bugger it. We'll just get someone else yeah. and make it work. You'll like it because you have to. And I think Serenity, part of its downfall was the fact that this was a very niche group. And I was one of them. I'm happy about Brownco. Mm. I really like that 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 show a lot. It was very good. <laughs> um, and it's one of those interesting things when something is cancelled. I like Buffy a lot. I don't think I've watched all the episodes more than twice or maybe maybe three times. Ones I really really enjoyed. Like, Sometimes I watched like, over and over and really enjoyed Firefly. I watch every single episode four or five times because there's less of it. Same. It's yeah. faster and easier to absorb. Mm. Whereas with the film and the and I do think this is the thing. I think because of the sometimes it's not about the movie. Sometimes it's about what you do next. So case in point with, with Mr. Whedon, he took an ensemble cast and gave them all purpose and they were all given things. I mean, uh, in ours, like, like sidelined for a while, then brought in in a very strong, prominent way, etc. Every character. And I think what they did is actually just gave you what would have been three or four series worth of development into one movie. Yep. And that wouldn't surprise me if that was the almost exact reason why he got the Avengers gig. Um, because like, how do we, who can handle an ensemble really well that the nerds like? Ah, <laughs> Whedon. Speaking of ensembles, uh, I, I have probably the oddest pick, uh, of, of our choices. By this. I, I kind of think that it's the perfect example of how to go from TV to film. Ooh. <laughs> but it's a thing that uh, most. B- before, before you say more, hold on revealing this for as long as you can, please. Cause I want the listeners to guess. Describe the it thumbnail, in as much screwed. detail as you yeah. can. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> okay. But yes, I agree. So it, uh, we've discussed some of the, the potential roadblocks that you need to get through when you're going from TV to film. Mm-hmm. You need to establish characters in a way that you welcome new viewers without boring existing ones. You need to mm-hmm. establish continuity and plot uh, and character arcs in a way that new viewers can can get on board with, but people who have seen it aren't, aren't sat around being bored by. You, sure. you need to effectively move from stories that are told on the in the television format 
to stories that are told in the cinematic format and that they have different structures, they have different expectations. So the best way that you can <laughs> accomplish all those things is if you have no characters, you have no story arcs, and you have no plot. And that way you don't have to worry about transitioning them all. You just need to make a thing that was on TV, except now it's on the cinema screen. And so my pick is Jackass the Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. They had made three seasons of Jackass. They made 24 episodes. Yeah. Uh, and were basically, from about eight episodes in, for kind of as soon as they got to the second season, and, and it had, you know, it started with absolutely no expectations and then very quickly became this hit on MTV and kind of dominated the zeitgeist uh, around the period that it was coming out. It was this, It was this huge deal. And it was the kind of thing where it was, you know, today we'd call it a viral hit. You know, and today, you know, today you also can't do jackass because you just go on YouTube and watch people doing idiot things. But at the yep. time when we were pre kind of uh, easy streaming video on, on the Internet, you know, the very origins of jackass were people videotaping stupid stunts and these videos getting like passed around within certain groups, you know, who, who happen to be kind of influential. Um, skater stunt videos would always be a thing where you're like, oh, okay, the skater's like failing. Like, oh, yeah. Even ba space bail compilations. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, God, I watched so many of those. <laughs> my God. Uh, and it basically emerged from that culture and mm. became this thing. And, you know, it was, oh, you know, we're going to we're gonna put all these warnings at the start and say, don't recreate these stunts. But we kind of know that teens are going to go out and recreate these stunts. And that's great <laughs> publicity um, because yep. it gets people talking about it. And, you know, you come to school one day and you go, oh, yeah, so-and-so was trying to do the, th like, jump out of a tree because they were like jackass and then they broke their arm. <laughs> and, and everybody's talking about it. Um, yep. And so from from very quickly, once it had blown up, they had to deal with, MTV and the production company basically saying like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't show, you can't show that on television. Um, and so they hit up against, you know, censorship and lim the limits of what you can do on television. And those limits are a little bit more flexible on the cinema screen. They, they still exist. Slap a rating on it now. You know what it is. Exactly. You can do more on, uh, in cinema. Uh, and also the budget that they got was going to be substantially higher and it's going to allow them to do bigger things, you know, and the cl the closest that you get, and it and it weirdly harkens back to those old, let's take a sitcom and, and put them all on holiday, because there's a few <laughs> sections in Jackass the movie where they're in Japan. Yeah. And clearly, yeah, like part of what they did, they were like, we've got this f film money, let's just fuck off to Japan and do exactly what we do normally. Weird shit, yeah. Except yeah. it's Japanese people reacting to us rather than American people. Mm -hmm. Um but it allowed them to do stunts that were bigger and riskier than what they had done on television, while also still being incredibly cheap to make. Mm -hmm. uh, so Jackass the movie cost $5 million, <laughs> and it made $80 million, roughly, <laughs> which is a pretty good return on investment for anybody oh, yeah. Who, yeah, who has done that. And it is no surprise that they have made... Two more, and I think well, there's there's also they they made two more Jackass films. They also made Bad Grandpa. Johnny Knoxville did a recent one. It was a Wonder World. These yes, like theme park. I, I can't remember the name of it now. Tangentially related, it was sort of a Jackass Presents or whatever. I rather like Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. <clears throat> I don't think it reviewed very well, but just having the regular 
tomfoolery and shenanigans, mm. etc. But doing a bit of almost like a Borat and giving it an actual plot running through, which is actually surprisingly well acted and and quite endearing. Well, Knoxville has gone on to become a reasonably successful actor since then, right? Yeah. So yeah. suddenly he has actual, you know, narrative chops under yeah. his belt. Yeah. It's 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 very surreal and strange. Josh, Johnny Knoxville's um, star of Men in Black 2. Oh, fucking Borchinian's <laughs> motherfucking... And Welcome to the Jungle, as we mentioned before. That's yeah. Sean William no, Scott. It's the other one. That's Sean William yeah, Scott, yeah. Exactly. I know. It, it's, it's, the other, it's Walking Tall. That, that was the joke. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. The, the film I'm thinking of is uh, with regards to thing is action point yes that's correctly. it but i don't think it's a jackass official thing i don't think but it's very in in the vein of i think oh, it's, yeah. it's the same group it is bad grandpa but having said that i believe jackass 4 is like there are scheduled rumors in the works or, yeah, yeah i don't know if it's yeah. in production yet as always who knows covid and all that kind of stuff it's yeah. like what's what's the, what we're gonna do down 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 <laughs> for the theme she starts i'm gonna lick this covid patient right stop <laughs> um but i i i remember Tim has nailed it, by the way, with regards to the, the MTV viral marketing of kids talking about it at school. I was 18 when Jackass the movie came out. And I, to this day, don't know why, but I think I remember, remember in the cinema and the logo comes up like Dickass or whatever it is oh. and things. And O oh, Fortuna by, uh, from Carmina Burana by Karl Orff comes up. And I'm like, oh, dun, 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 dun. And so it's like, oh, this is cool. And it cuts this giant shopping trolley. And I'm like... Which is I, the cover of the, that's the poster as well. It is, yeah. But I was so ready because it's so seriously stupid, and they're so like like they start running in, and you start <laughs> seeing various characters like in close up, and they're like, "Is this individual?" And finally, you know, Knoxville says, "I'm John Oster, welcome to Jackass," and then the thing just launches into the side of this building. It's just fucking <laughs> brilliant. And I was in stitches, and obviously I was a stupid kid, but I still find that very funny. But the other things that took place in the movie, because they were heightened, but they were still the kind of shenanigan bullshit you'd see in the in the oh. series. Um, I don't remember half of them. I have real problems separating what came into which film and such. Oh. But that opening had me immediately because it felt <laughs> big and dumb and stupid, but also semi prestigious in a weird way. Yeah. Um, it, it is, yeah, it's just that it's that slight elevation of just like we can do the same dumb shit that we've always been doing, but we're going to yeah. do it. Just a little bit bigger. Well, I mean, one of the key bits of involvement is Spike Jones. Yeah. You know, Academy Award nominated director Spike Jones. Um, <laughs> he co-wrote and co-produced this movie. Exactly. It's one of those things you're like, of course it's going to have a bit of... Uh... And he, he did with Bad Grandpa as well, I think, didn't he? Yeah. Like yeah. He, he continued his partnership with Jackass, <laughs> which is so weird. Yeah. And it's just the, the, oh the, the almost caveman mindset, which again, obviously applies to, to, to other genders as well. But the, the logic of like, hey, 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 I bet you can't flick yourself in the face with this elastic band. <laughs> Fuck you, you tell me I can't do that. <laughs> Ow! Oh, oh, God. It's like, ha, ha, ha. You do it. All right, I'll do it. And it's just like, what, what the fuck are you doing, you dumbass kids? But that's kind of the point. And the more aware you are of that, the more it just works. Now, I don't think it necessarily, in inverted commas, works until Bad Grandpa when you do have a narrative running through it. But... It worked fine for what it was. Mm. In in terms of, you know, and we talked about how like often like anime, it just is, it's a big episode of the TV show. Yeah. This is exactly the same. Like some of the, oh, some yeah. of the stuff they do is like bigger and, uh, and at a scale that they could not perhaps do on TV. 
Do we have a list? We can run through yeah, for I the can, audience. I, I mean, I can I can run you through. There's there's a great there's a, a heading under plot on Wikipedia, uh, which you know is is very. Uh, I say plot is very. Thin. Yeah, it, very it deserves some definition. scare quotes around that. Uh, to give you some examples, you know, so there's stuff that literally you could have on any episode of the TV show, like Bam Mangera just beating up his dad while he's on the toilet. Oh, that's. A- classic thing um, or steve-o jumping from a mini trampoline into a ceiling fan yeah um, that's usual then uh, there's a bunch of stuff like we mentioned uh in japan where uh, they dress up as pandas and just run around during the night uh there's oh, yeah. uh, steve-o snorting wasabi um, oh, God. <laughs> the, the late ryan dunn gets beaten up by a japanese kickboxer yes 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 yeah um uh, and then you get you get the the slightly kind of bigger stuff like Steve-O getting a uh, smiley face tattoo while in the back of an oh, yeah. off-road Humvee. Oh, is that from the film? God, I'd isn't Henry that. Rollins driving? Henry Rollins is driving it. Yes, yeah, he is. Yes, <laughs> uh, you get them uh, God, launching fireworks out of their ass. Uh, yeah, which, oh, yeah, which I went to a uh, party at university where someone, where a group of people replicated that, and I was like, "Of course, I don't think I need to be at this party anymore." Don't try <laughs> this at home. They told you. Yeah, Tim says as he wipes the burn marks from his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have uh, the late great Ryan Dunn uh, getting a toy car put up his butt. Oh, bizarre! Uh, oh, and then nice. going to get a, an X-ray. Yeah. Um, it's like I woke up at a party and I don't remember what happened. Yes. <laughs> God damn it. Dude, we're laughing about it now. It's yeah. So, uh, the, it's so the, the 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 famous them hiding on a golf course with air horns. <laughs> is uh, yeah. Uh, oh, did, is that the one where they had the golf buggies at the uh, the golf course that nearly, near, the racing them and it nearly killed one of them? Yes. And then it died. Yeah. 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 Um, and I remember it flips over onto them, doesn't it? Yes. Because um, again, almost a prelude to because you think about where does the money go other than holidays, mm. makeup. Mm-hmm. The prelude to Brad, Bad Grandpa. I think it's again. I think Spike Jones is one of the old men. Yeah, he's uh, one of the old men. There's quite yeah, a lot. Of, there we go. Yes. Um, so there's him, Spike Jones, Johnny Knoxville, and Bam all dressing up as elderly men and trying to shoplift very yeah. badly. Um, yes. Or or Spike Jones in a motorized wheelchair, uh, just like driving. Or what, out of control, out like, of control, Help me! or or, yeah. or driving into the middle of a cross, uh, like a, a crosswalk, yeah. and just falling asleep right in front of the cars. Um, it's it's so it's so absurd. Not the thing. The same thing in this series is just as you said, censorship and a little bit more weight to it with regards to some of the stuff you can get away yeah. with. But it, just 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 to clarify here, because it, obviously it's Johnny Knox is now an established actor and things like that, and blah de blah de blah, and and and, and so on and so forth. But Spike Jones directed Being John Malkovich and Adaptation and Where the Wild Things Are. It's a ver- and her. These are very like <laughs> yeah. prestigious movies about the human condition. It's like, oh, and also, by the way, he wanted to twat himself in the face with a plank of wood. Yeah. It's just like, huh. It, it, it is the interesting dichotomy or the parallel between smart and dumb. Yeah. And you can be both. Yeah. I think, I think that it, it's, it's that episode of the simpsons where they have the film competition and homer keeps insisting the one that should win is hans molman getting hit in the balls by a hit football, football yes. in the groin. like yeah, yeah. Oh. there there is <laughs> barney's was good but football on the groin had a football on the groin <laughs> <laughs> and you know there is there is something that's so you know there's there's a reason that slapstick and physical comedy was some of the first stuff that we put 
on cinema, you know, and Keystone Cops and Buster Keaton exactly. and uh, Lloyd and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that there's it, it can, makes complete sense that it would continue to work up to this day and that people would find it hilarious. And yeah, so that that is my pick for going from TV to film. I think we've got three really diverse ones for three very different markets and very different niches and very different demographics, but also different outcomes of what is considered success. Hmm. Are you continuing what's done on the TV? Are you stopping? Are you providing closure? Are you looking for sequels? Are you What is the next plan from this? They all had a different direction. They were all very different. But in a way, all three of them were extremely successful to people who are already fans of the show. Mm. People who love Jackass fucking love Jackass, the movie. People who yeah. love um, yeah. Tiger Evil yeah. really enjoy the movie. People love Firefly love Serenity. Yeah. Usually. Ja- Jackass the movie is not going to convert anyone into being a Jackass <laughs> fan. <laughs> Very unlikely. No one asks anyone and says, I wonder what this movie is about. Yeah. <laughs> Step aside, period drama. <laughs> I'm going to watch Jackass the yeah. movie. <laughs> Let me just take a big sip from my fancy teacup of Earl Grey. Oh, Carmina Burana. Good choice. An opera I approve. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that shopping trolley is far too large. It is full of men. <laughs> that one is dressed as a baby. <laughs> I might have to watch that clip in a minute because it's <laughs> so well edited. <laughs> I think we have to. As always, um, we'll probably do a hidden playlist of trailers for these movies so you can go, oh, somewhere. Oh, yeah, that one. Because I know people have a thing where they're listening to something and I love it. I what sounds it sounds fantastic, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. I don't want to go digging around and find the wrong thing or or whatever. Um, so we'll probably figure that out we'll for have, you. We'll don't have worry. a clip of Spike Jones as an old man getting hit in the face. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> oh dear. Well, yeah, those are some of our picks for movies that followed on from TV shows. There are plenty of other ones, as you as we have discussed. We've touched on a few more and the kind of joke six seasons of a movie that <laughs> spawned from Community. Which did now... not get the film so far. Exactly. Hasn't yet. Hasn't yet. Um, I don't. I think the our cast is too big now. Yeah. And too yeah. too broad, if I'm honest. I think they're trying, now trying at to get Donald where... Glover back as well. That was all. Yeah. <laughs> and what, would you try and go with the Keith David or the Chevy Chase era? Because that's the nature of the show. Keith David, Chevy Chase is a piece oh, of shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if you guys have any suggestions or any uh, of your favourites that you enjoy that spawned from TV shows, hit us up on social media. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you can also go to sequelizers at gmail.com if you want to send us an email as well. We'd love to hear your suggestions. There might be some really weird ones we've never even heard of. Let us know. Hit us up on social media. You can also contact us on our Discord, which is linked at the top of our Twitter and at the top of our website as well. Our website, of course, is Sequelizers. Dot com. Nice and easy. You can also find the link to our Patreon there as well if you'd like to support us monetarily. You can find the links to all that stuff, including our merch store. If you want to support us there and get a t-shirt or get a poster from some of our previous pitches, you can get all that good stuff at sequelizers.com. It's nice and easy. It's all in one place. Uh, you can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to my reviews. I reviewed uh, Gundam Narrative recently. Um, I was disappointed by it. Um, <laughs> You can go to cheesemin.com and see the various things that we make. Um, speaking of anime, Super Happy Kill Time. Uh, we recently did a trailer for the new series of stuff to come. It's all very fun. Uh, last month, I did, uh, on, like, on the 16th of September, I think it was, I did an article for Film East about the nature of streaming media and all that sort of stuff and the, the movement from physical stuff. So if you want to go read that, that would be fantastic. Thank you very much. I'd appreciate it greatly. 
Um, and obviously you can hit me up on social media. Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. Tim, what's the most jackass thing you've ever had to do? I've seen you at parties. You just <laughs> here we go. Staple your own ball bag or something. Uh, I mean, I've I have uh, in previous uh, times uh, fooled around with those uh, electric muscle simulator oh, the stimulator, stimulator things. things. Oh god, fucking yeah. hell, Tim. Um, uh, in in use them in in various warranty voiding uh situations <laughs> oh anyway. uh, but yes if you want to follow me on social Hear media <laughs> and watch me take a crap in, in a display toilet at a hardware store uh <laughs> you can uh you can follow me on twitter trivia underscore lad uh it's just where i post all my various projects and nonsense opinions jack where can people find your nonsense my nonsense is usually on Twitter or Instagram. I'm JLW Chambers on all the social medias. You can talk to me about wrestling or films or comics or anime or whatever it is. It's all nonsense. And before we go, as always, we need to say thank you to our executive producers on Patreon, including this week's executive producer specifically who picked this episode, Mr. Stuart Main. And... Mr. Mike Salvia. And last but not least, Jonathan Firth Clark. Thank you very much for your support, gentlemen. We, as always, appreciate it. With that out of the way, we'll be back again next week for more interseason goodness. But until then, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Wild Wild West, Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, you don't want none of this. What you say, I'm